Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have Oric laying off lawyers and staff, Activision acquisition delayed, Trump faces long odds, Illinois bans book bans, and the EU eyes Google ad breakup. Let's have a breakup of our own, with ignorance as to today's legal news, that is... On this day, June 14th in legal history, the Supreme Court issued its decision in West Virginia State Board v. Barnett, holding that students cannot be compelled to salute the American flag or recite the Pledge of Allegiance in public school. When issues of compelled patriotism are discussed, advocates of compulsion generally frame these issues as unique problems of modernity. So you may be surprised to hear that the Barnett decision was handed down on this day in 1943, in the midst of World War II, no less. In the case of West Virginia State Board of Education v. Barnett, the Supreme Court made a significant ruling. They declared a compulsory flag salute law in public schools is unconstitutional, affirming that students have First Amendment rights. The court determined that mandatory flag salutes violated the First Amendment. The decision was made on Flag Day and overturned a previous case, which was Minersville School District v. Gobitis. The West Virginia statute in question imposed harsh penalties on children and their parents if the children refused to comply, including expulsion and fines of $50 or even imprisonment for parents. In the Gobitis case, two Jehovah's Witness schoolchildren were expelled for refusing to salute the flag and recite the Pledge of Allegiance. The Supreme Court recognized the state's interest in promoting national cohesion and considered mandatory flag salutes a permissible means of fostering patriotism. However, in Barnett, the court shifted its focus. It highlighted that the central issue was not whether the children could be excused from the flag salute due to religious beliefs, as in Gobitis. Rather, it examined whether the state had the power to enforce the flag salute on all school children. The court emphasized that the compulsory flag salute and pledge required an affirmation of belief and an attitude of mind. It noted that Congress had recently recognized the Pledge of Allegiance as voluntary, indicating that compulsory salutes were not necessarily the most effective way to cultivate patriotism. Justice Robert H. Jackson's opinion in Barnett reevaluated the role of public schools in educating young citizens. The court asserted that public education should not stifle free thinking or teach youth to disregard essential principles of government as mere platitudes. Instead, education should enable students to make informed choices. The court, echoing Congress, concluded that patriotism is strengthened through voluntary participation rather than compulsion. Justice Jackson emphasized that no official, regardless of their position, could dictate orthodoxy in matters of politics, nationalism, religion, or other opinions, or force citizens to confess their faith in those matters. This landmark ruling in Barnett established the principle that students possess First Amendment rights, including the freedom of speech and the freedom of expression, within the context of public schools. In the latest sign, big laws in a bit of a holding pattern, Oric, Harrington, and Sutcliffe, a San Francisco-based law firm, is laying off approximately 90 attorneys and staff members and delaying the start date for its incoming class due to reduced demand and market uncertainty. The layoffs will affect 40 associates and 50 staff members, amounting to around 6% of the firm's global workforce. The firm has decided to postpone the start date for its first-year class until January 16, 2024. Oryx says it will provide a $15,000 stipend and additional funds for health insurance to its class of 2023. The firm attributes these actions to reduced client demand in certain areas and the impact of technology and evolving work environments on the firm's operations. Oric joins other prominent law firms such as Cooley, Gunderson Detmer, Kirkland & Ellis, and Fenwick & West in implementing workforce reductions and start date delays in response to sluggish demand for legal services. A U.S. judge has granted the Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, request to temporarily block Microsoft's acquisition of video game maker Activision Blizzard and scheduled a hearing for next week. The judge set a two-day evidentiary hearing on the FTC's request for a preliminary injunction for June 22nd and 23rd in San Francisco. 
Without a court order, Microsoft could have closed the $69 billion deal as early as Friday. The FTC had asked an administrative judge to block the transaction in December, and an evidential hearing in the administrative proceeding is set to begin on August 2nd. The federal court will decide based on the late June hearing whether a preliminary injunction is necessary during the administrative review of the case. Microsoft and Activision must submit legal arguments opposing the preliminary injunction by June 16th, with the FTC's reply due on June 20th. The FTC argues that the deal would give Microsoft Xbox exclusive access to Activision games, potentially excluding Nintendo and Sony consoles. Microsoft has stated that accelerating the legal process will bring more choice and competition to the gaming market. As the indictment is being reviewed and ingested, experts are weighing in, and it seems pretty clear. Former U.S. President Donald Trump is facing significant challenges in defending himself against charges of illegally retaining top-secret documents after leaving the White House in 2021. Yesterday, Trump pleaded not guilty to the 37 counts, which included violations of the Espionage Act, obstruction of justice, and making false statements. Experts noted that the indictment contains a wide range of evidence, such as documents, photos, text messages, audio recordings, and witness statements, making a strong case for the prosecution's allegations. The conspiracy to obstruct justice charges may pose the greatest risk for Trump, carrying a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. Legal experts believe the evidence suggests Trump knew about the documents and refused to turn them over, instructing his lawyers to mislead the FBI. Obstruction of justice is challenging to defend against and can have significant public backlash. Trump's alleged efforts to conceal documents over the years likely played a role in the decision to indict him. The classification status of the documents may be irrelevant, as the Espionage Act criminalizes the unauthorized retention of national defense information, regardless of that information's classification. While Trump has potential defense strategies such as challenging witness accounts or blaming others, the case could be delayed until after the 2024 election, and opinions vary as to whether he can pardon himself if he wins. In brief, here's what happens next in the case against former U.S. President Trump. It could be a year or more before a trial takes place, and all indications are Trump will continue to seek to win back the presidency in the November 2024 election. Federal prosecutors will begin handing over evidence to Trump's lawyers, including years of correspondence related to the documents in question. Trump's lawyers are expected to file a motion to dismiss the case, citing reasons such as his claim that he declassified the documents before taking them. However, motions to dismiss in criminal cases rarely succeed. The trial timeline will likely be extended as the parties review evidence and argue legal disputes. Trump testifying in the case would be his decision, but it is unlikely as defendants often choose not to. If Trump were to win the 2024 presidential election, it is unlikely that the prosecution would proceed due to the Department of Justice's policy of not prosecuting sitting presidents. However, in extraordinary circumstances, the policy can be deviated from with approval of the U.S. Attorney General. But that would almost certainly be Trump's U.S. Attorney General. So it is clear to me, as it is probably clear to Trump, that his best chance at kicking this can down the road will be to delay the trial long enough to win back the presidency and pardon himself. In other words, 2024 is going to be a hell of a year. Illinois has become the first state in the United States to pass a law aimed at curbing book bans in public libraries. The legislation comes in response to the growing trend of conservative efforts to suppress books addressing topics such as race, history, and LGBTQ issues. Governor J.B. Pritzker, a Democrat, signed the law, which will go into effect on January 1, 2024. Under the new law, Illinois public libraries will only be eligible for state grants if they adopt the American Library Association's Library Bill of Rights, which prohibits the removal of materials due to partisan or doctrinal disapproval. The push to ban books has intensified during the 2021-2022 school year, particularly in conservative Republican-dominated states like Florida and Texas. According to the American Library Association, there were 67 attempts to ban books in Illinois alone in 2022, with many of the targeted books focusing on LGBTQ people or people of color. Critics of book bans argue that librarians should be the ones selecting books, not politicians, and that bans infringe on freedom of expression. 
The Illinois law is seen as a step in the right direction by supporters who believe that books in libraries should be chosen by professionals and not extremist politicians. The European Commission, Europe's top antitrust regulator, has announced that it may pursue the breakup of Google's ad tech business. The commission has charged Google with abusing its dominant position in the online advertising technology industry. It alleges that Google used its control over the buying and selling of online ads across third-party websites and apps to favor its own advertising auction house. The commission's preliminary view is that Google must divest part of its ad tech business to address the inherent conflicts of interest. Google will have an opportunity to respond to the complaint, and if found guilty, it could face a fine of up to 10% of its annual worldwide revenue. This move by the European Commission aligns with the ongoing antitrust scrutiny Google is facing in the United States and would mark a major sea change in the online advertising space. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. I'm at Andrew and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is not legal advice. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners find our show. If you have a moment, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast player. We'd appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember, Pepperidge Farm does not explicitly say goldfish crackers contain no goldfish meat. Is there a reason for their silence? I'm just asking questions.